Hello for the King listeners. I am not your host, Rocky Ramsey. My name is Will Drzymski, a brother in Christ and friend of Rocky's whom he has generously invited onto the show in order to verbally showcase my artwork to you in 50 seconds. As an artist, I strive to accurately reflect the glory of God in everything that I paint, and through that process, I hope to flood as much of the earth as possible with paintings which accurately proclaim the undeniable fact that Jesus is Lord and the creation which he made commands us to worship him. So if you would like to join with me in distributing clean, refreshing artwork showcasing the creativity of the God who made us, I would be overjoyed to have your help. I run my own website called Reflected Works, where I showcase the artwork I've done in the past, sell original paintings and prints, and take requests for unique commissions. Once again, that's reflectedworks.com, all one word, and I'm looking forward to helping you further the kingdom of God right now here on this earth by putting some of your free wall space to productive use. Thank you very much for your kind attention, and now enjoy the show. Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Hello, friends. Welcome to the For the King podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Ramsey, and I am joined with Keegan. Say hello, brother. How you doing? How you doing? Hello, hello. Doing well. Glad to be back. Talking yeah. about something totally different than last time. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah. Gonna. We're, we're, you'll be on a lot, and we'll talk about a bunch of different stuff, and it'll uh, it'll keep you on your toes. Yeah, I'm looking forward um, to it. Give us a little update on the kiddo, just so everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Baby number four has arrived. Uh, Ezra, Ezra Gideon Flood. Nice. Um, He he was born June 18th. So he's about two weeks old now. And he's he's upstairs sleeping with mama. Great. That's exciting. Yeah, we're we're happy for you guys. That's good. So um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Keegan. Uh, As you can see, um, if you're watching on YouTube, this will be like, I think my first YouTube video. I, I told you guys I wanted to try to start doing more YouTube presence. So here I am doing it. So hopefully you can enjoy getting to see my face and see Keegan too, see my guest. <laughs> uh, hopefully there'll be more of this where where uh, where we're coming from here. Um, okay, so the topic for this evening's podcast is um, we're gonna we're gonna be discussing the idea of dominion or mastery and talk about how wisdom or a knowledge and understanding of the world ties into that and enables mastery or dominion. So first I want to go to kind of set the stage here um, for this episode is this kind of helpful idea I've come into recently about what true dominion is that God is asking us and requiring us, commanding us to do as his his people. So um, a lot of this comes from um, this book I just listened to called In the House of Tom Bombadil by C.R. Wiley. It's really, really good, really good book. And one thing that really helped me was was this idea of dominion being more of mastery than domination. So we see um, in Tolkien's universe, you have two different kind of patriarchs. Um, you have Sauron, 
you know, he's the evil, wicked patriarch, right? And he's try- he's very strong and powerful, and he has a dominion, yet he's, yeah. he's dominating. So he's like Satan, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the better patriarch, which, you know, in the book, he talks about how that's more like what Tom Bombadil is. He, he exercises mastery rather than dominating, not... Uh, not dominating those under him, but uh, um, mastering the the things that he's been given dominion over and doing it in such a way because he understands them intimately. He knows them just like God knows us. He knows us in right. an int- intimate way. He knew us before the foundations of the world. So he knows us intimately. Therefore, when he rules over us, he does it in such a way that we're mastered. You know, we are, uh, you know, we are being ruled over, but we do have our own uh, flourishing and commands and duties as God's people that he enables us to do because he exercises mastery over us and tends us. He, he cultivates us like a garden. That's, that's the idea of mastery. You're not dominating the plant forcing, you know, trying to force it to grow fruit. You are (laughs) right. You're, you're, you're you're cultivating it. Okay. So that's kind of setting the stage. That's the kind of idea of dominion we're talking about uh, this evening. Um, But let's, let's connect that to uh, knowledge and, uh, knowledge or wisdom, right? So I don't know if Keegan, if you had any other introductory thoughts you wanted to get into before I, I read our text, uh, but do you have any thought? I mean, f- first and foremost, Bombadil is most certainly the best character in all of Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Um, so, so lo- love that, love that connection. And I, I, I think tying into that true mastery of, in a, in a godly sense, uh, Tolkien shows it well in the fact that Bombadil wasn't even impacted by the ring. Yeah. Like he's just like, yeah, whatever. That 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 doesn't even touch me. I feel like if we are in spirit-led mastery, sin and temptation, obviously I'm not saying we will be perfected and glorified on earth through being having exercising dominion correctly, but I think it will become less and less of a temptation as we keep our eyes on the Lord and not keeping our eyes on dominating yeah. and domineering the things around us. That's good. That's awesome. Okay, thanks for that, brother. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. that sets the stage pretty well for you guys, and you know, kind of, kind of, where what the framework is here. So let me share my screen because I'm doing, uh, trying to do this YouTube thing now. So let me let me go ahead and share that. So let's let's look at a text here. So um, we're going to use Solomon as our kind of our archetype, our uh, our meta narrative, right, for this idea yeah, of right. mastery, mastery and knowledge. So uh, let's let's look at um, starting in verse five. I'm going to read to the end here. So at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God asked, ask whatever you want me to give to you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, so there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will not have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. Okay. So, um, th- this is that great story where Solomon 
Um, even X seems to be exercising a little bit of wisdom before he's given this, uh, this ultimate, this right. ultimate wise, uh, wise mind and heart, but, uh, he asks for wisdom. So the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom, right? We see, we read that yep. in the proverb. So he's already exercising some wisdom. There is some, uh, some work in his heart that God has already done some grace that's given to him for him to ask such a thing and God rewards him for it. And then he, he, he receives this, this, uh, wise heart. Now let's, um, let's look and see exactly uh, what that looks like, um, or, or maybe one facet of it. So one yeah. chapter later, we start to see, I, before I go, Keegan, did you have anything you wanted to pick out there? No, no, go ahead. Keep, keep okay. going here. Yeah. Um, I'm just, yeah, just, uh, let's keep moving along here. Uh, in that last text, I do want to point out that that's, he was asking this so he could perform his duties, exercise mm. his dominion. He asked for wisdom. Yeah, which, which insinuates it's kind of a it, uh, it's necessary to have wisdom if you're going to exercise dominion properly, right? It gets yeah. kind of that connection. Yeah, and and a humble heart. I know I didn't have anything to say, but he oh, said, yeah. "I am I am but a child." Like it, it wasn't like he was coming at it from this this angle of I want wisdom to again rule and and domineer. It was like. I know that I am not worthy of this position you've given me. I know that I am but a child and have so much to learn and do. And he's yeah. probably looking at his father, David, who was uh-huh. a man after God's own heart, you know, and, and all, all of his story. He's like, how do I, how do I ever measure up to this? Yeah. And, and so he's saying, I'm but a child, Lord, please, please help me. Uh-huh. It's almost like a, a crying out as well. Yes, that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out too. There was a, there was a, uh, that's another part of wisdom is to be humble, yeah. uh, to th- th- uh, think uh, less of yourself than than you ought to. That's awesome. Okay, so we we um, one chapter later start seeing his dominion rising as a man and as a king, for he had dominion. Look at verse twenty four here over all the region on this side of the river from Tifshah even to uh, Gaza. Namely, over all the kings on this side of the river. So, and he has peace all around him. Okay. So, mm-hmm. we're seeing his dominion growing because of this wisdom he's been given. Um, as he, as he's growing and is, he's, he's ex- becoming exceedingly great in understanding. We'll see here. Um, this is, this is, um, what we're going to pick out here. This is going to be our working text, uh, for the rest of the episode here. And yeah. God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand on the seashore. Thus, Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. Then Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, and Kalkol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things and of fish. And men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Okay, so let, let's pick out some things here in this text um, and start pushing forward this episode. So we see that he's he's wiser than all the other men and and uh, then even in the surrounding nations. And it's causing people to want to be around him. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what mastery looks like. People don't, people not only... Um, you know, recognize that you're a wise, mature man, but they also flock to you because they recognize that and they know that they will be blessed by being in your presence. Okay. That's what most think, thinking about to, to Tolkien, Tom Bombadil, the whole forest was blessed because Bombadil oriented it towards its greatest good. Okay. That's mm. what God does to us. And that's what the godly man does 
just think about, you know, as fathers, that's what a father is supposed to do. His family is supposed to walk away from his presence more blessed than when they didn't enter it. They want to be near the father, right? That, that's, that, right. that's the way it ought to be. So um, we see him speaking thousands of proverbs. Uh, he has many songs. He's gifted in songwriting and playing instruments. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's where I want to hone in at. He speaks of trees, the cedar tree. <laughs> yes, he speaks of animals, birds, creeping things, and a fish. This this should liken our minds, if we know our biblical theology, back to the garden. That's the order. Um, when we think about the order in which God created things, uh, we the categories of the things he created, we see animals, birds, creeping things, fish, right? We see that. Yep. Not only there, but tracing that through the Bible, we see that in Romans 1. They exchange the glory of God for created things, for creeping things on the ground, birds, animals, created things. It uses the same language. So this is yeah. kind of creational foundation world building language. These are the most basic things that build the world. Uh, these animals, these animated things that God made, um, and Solomon knows them well. He's he's intimately connected to them. So point here, extracted bullet point for the podcast here: a uh, a, a man that is properly exercising dominion and understanding ought to know his you know, his profession or uh, physical things about the world. Yes. Um, so yeah, Keegan, go ahead. I've been talking for a second. Go ahead and bounce off that. <laughs> well, no, and, and I don't even want to focus in on, but you said like a man ought to know like his profession and, and things like that. And you should know your career, but even like I'm in email marketing. Yeah. You know, I, as a godly man should still know the things of the trees, the things yes. of animals. Like, yeah. As as men, as men called by God to take dominion, yeah, I should know how to raise chickens. I should know how to tend a garden. I should know these things. Yeah, and so it's it's it goes beyond just your profession. It goes it goes far beyond that to good. Every, every godly man should yeah. know that. And I think every godly man has that desire in, in some way, shape or form. And some people are further set back. Maybe their fathers didn't raise them well or didn't yeah. train them up in the way, or maybe they were saved when they were 40 and they had no idea what to do, you know, whatever. But yeah. I feel like we all have that in our heart to, to be a master of something. And we're called, we're called to nature in a way, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think nature's nature's that big um, calling because it, it, it does connect us to God in a sense. It's, um, it displays his glory. We we can see mm. in the creation that God exists, his divine attributes and eternal power. We can see that in creation that I think that's why we should be drawn and want to understand nature uh, and take, and take care of what God has given us and stewarding it. Um, so I totally agree with you. Like men, as men, we need to be, especially men that are exercising dominion and mastery. We need to be very well-rounded and have a large range of ability. Um, yeah. We do. I do think we have overemphasized in our culture. Now this, um, specialization everybody's super specialized mm-hmm. and um you used to be um like a farmer for instance a subsistence farmer they, they were a jack of all trades right they were yep. they were a mechanic they were a carpenter they yep. you know made their own uh equipment um yep. they, they could well. do plumbing and, el- yeah, plumbing and electricity and everything yeah. else in between yeah exactly yeah. They could do everything. And now, now a lot of men are, are specialists and we do need those specialists at time, but even the specialists off that, like you're saying, should be well-rounded in their free time and be yep. interested in God's world. So hopefully that can kind of harken you guys back to the episode Bryce and I just did about being a curious man. It's yeah. good to be curious. Um, Solomon was curious about the world and that's how he was exercising his mastery. Um, yeah. it, it's funny. 
Well, you mentioned jack of all trades and people use that almost negative now. Like, oh, he's just a jack of all trades. And yeah. the what people know of that saying is jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Right? That's what, but there's actually a second clause to it. And that second clause is, but better than ma- master of one. Oh, that's good. So, because yeah. uh, again, it's that specialization. If you only know one thing, there's a, uh, this is more psychological babble than, than Bible, but there's something called the intelligence trap where someone gets so smart in one area only that they're a total idiot in everything else. They look yeah. like complete and all common sense because wow. they're only specialized in one area. Wow. And we've actually, we've actually gutted that, that idea that you should be a jack of all trades and yeah, you're going to be better at some things than others. I mean, look at the men just in our church. Yeah. My brother's a fantastic carpenter and I am not, but I'm also building his website because he has no idea how to do that, you know, yeah. but at the same time, we both want to build things in our own way and, and, uh-huh. and do that. So seeking for that well-roundedness is way better than just being good at one thing. That's good. Yeah, that's encouraging. Um, but what's tough about that is it does call you to a lot of work. You know, you need to have your hands on a lot of things. But but that's what that's what we're made for as men. Uh, and that's what Solomon, uh, when God gave him wisdom, he became that man. He, he worked yeah. at a lot of different things and understood a lot of different things. Um, and that's the encouragement here. Yeah. So, oh, yep. Go. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. So I, one last thing, I wanted to ask you a question back. There's that phrase in there of God gave him a largeness of heart. Yeah. And when I hear that, I think of like more of a of a capacity to uh-huh. love because intelligence on its own, without love, you can actually become really spiteful. You can become so intelligent that you don't care. about humans at all you don't care about human life and so is that what that verse is saying or how how do you interpret that yeah i will i mean i i the the heart the heart is all the the passions and desires of the inner man you know Mm -hmm. um that drives and motivates the will i would say like something along those lines i may not be describing perfectly but when I, i agree with you i think when it says he enlarged his heart he gave him the, a big enough heart to have, be so curious and in love with God's creation that it would fuel the the wisdom to actually go out and motivate it to move out into the yeah. world. That's yeah. what I'm kind of getting from that is God needed to enlarge him, make him bigger than he would have been otherwise, that he would have the capacity to take in all that stuff because he actually enjoyed it, right? So you can right. get to a point where if you're trying to learn something that you don't love, if you're trying to learn about something you're not interested in, it's way harder than having a large heart towards it where you love what you're learning or you love God's creation and it's not a burden, you can take in much, much more. That's why when you, Mm. when you listen to a good song, you can learn the lyrics like that, but if you, you won't learn the lyrics to a song you hate because you don't like it. Right. So it's much much easier, you know, it's much easier to interact with that. So I I do agree with you. I think there is some kind of a, there's an ethical understanding behind that enlargement of heart. That's fueling him to exercise that mastery through wisdom, you know? Yeah. Um, so I agree. I, I, are you are you with me? <laughs> or yep. Do you, yes. Okay. No, I, I I'm with you there. Okay. Um. Yeah. It, and it's it's fascinating that he does that. So so maybe that's a good exhortation. Another little bullet point for this podcast we can take out is, uh, you need to have a heart um that's renewed to actually exercise yes. mastery through wisdom. You can't do that with a cold, dead heart. You need to be born Absolutely. again. Um. Okay. So let's push this a little further. 
we um kind of we've kind of been getting into this a little bit but in in modern day even jelly western western christianity um we are a little gnostic we kind of overemphasize the metaphysical than the physical um yes. well, let's get to your text here you were going to read something in exodus so go ahead and start pulling that up while i set the stage but yeah i got it okay good um so when the scriptures talk about a man being spiritual it's talking about a man being led by the spirit, not that he's wispy and metaphysical or just concerned with the metaphysical things. It's not, it, it is, it means he's been born again by the spirit and that he's led by the spirit and walking in step with the spirit, which includes him doing physical things in a certain way. So like, uh, like Solomon, we see the spirit of God, obviously working in this man. He has an enlarged heart, which is only given by God. And he's been given wisdom from God. That's called yeah. a spirit-led man. And how's that manifesting? He understands the physical trees and the physical animals and the physical birds. He understands the physical world. He loves the physical world. That's a large component of being led by the spirit is that it comes out of your fingertips and you want to interact with the world and you love God's creation. So yeah. we, we sometimes think that the spiritual man is the theologian, the seminarian, the man that mm -hmm. spends time reading 24-7 or the man that contemplates, um, you know, metaphysical things 24 seven. Now they're connected. Metaphysical things connect to the physical. That's, that's, that's just an, uh, a fact of reality. Um, yeah. you know, um, so I guess that's kind of what I have to say about that. I don't know if you have anything to add, or if you just want to go into that text you have. Yeah. Let, let, let me add to it. Neither Rocky nor I are dismissing the theologian or the one that reads a lot. Yeah. Like that, that is critical. Yeah. And, but we're, what we're trying to fight against, if you will, is this concept that if you if you only know if you're only a farmer, then you're not gonna be a like you're not gonna be used by God. Like a Christian farmer, like that, and that's the idea, especially in these large churches. It's like, well, I I really just need to get into ministry. I really no, it, like a farmer is in ministry. <laughs> if he if he is a Christian man being spirit led. Yeah. Taking yeah. care of his crops is in ministry, and he's probably going home and teaching his kids and his family what what to do. And, and yeah. you know that that's ministry. You don't have to you don't have to lead a Bible study or understand how to read the Puritans well without an abridged version or whatever. You know, no. like it, that that's not necessary. So that's what we're fighting against. Yes. Um, yeah. Amen. Sorry, do you want to you want to no. piggyback on no. that? Amen. 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 Keep going. So Exodus thirty one, uh, we we have this quick picture of a man actually two men in particular being filled with the spirit of god metaphysically being filled with the spirit of god and they don't become prophets they don't they don't start seeing visions they don't start speaking in tongues what they do is they get actual skills with their hands so i'll, I'll read it really quick and uh forgive me for uh not pronouncing their names correctly but <laughs> says, the Lord said to Moses, this is, uh, Exodus 31, starting in verse 1, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So step one, he was filled with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability, and they may make all that I have commanded you. So again, the setting of this is God is, is 
telling Moses all that needs to be done for the tabernacle. Yeah. And probably in the back of Moses' head is like, who's going to do this? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know a single, like, they, yeah. were all, they were all just slaves. Like, yeah, they were cutting stones for pyramids and stuff and making yeah. things out of mud and grass, but you're asking for some really <laughs> intricate stuff here. Like, who's going to do this? And then God says, oh, no, I got you covered and I'm yeah. going to give this guy. And <laughs> it, it, it doesn't go as far as Solomon, but clearly this man Bezalel and his uh, assistant Aholiab their minds were open. Their hearts were open. They grew yeah. to love the craft and they probably didn't know a lot beforehand, but they were by the spirit of God given that skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, th- this makes me think of um, when we, when we speak in you know, common tongue, we'll say, Oh, somebody, uh, Oh, they're a natural or, uh, yeah. or, you know, like uh, they're, 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 uh, gifted, you know, they're extremely yeah. gifted. We'll use language like that. And we shouldn't think that in God's providence, that is not his spirit working in those people forming, you know, God, you formed me in the womb and you knew me, you made me wonderful. Right. Yeah. Some people are just naturally gifted at a lot of different things. Like just, they just comes to them. Yep. And I think we, we shouldn't um, ma- uh, materialize that. Um, we should we should recognize that this is God's providence and forming that person metaphysically, giving them the enlarged heart towards that thing, right? Mm-hmm. That they can understand it easily, they can grasp it easily, and they're just good at it. Um, right. Would you agree? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I don't want to go into to haunted cosmos here, but like <laughs> it, we want to materialize everything. We want to get yeah. every oh well, that person just gifted in this way because they were born with the right genetics and their yeah. brain is the right way. Like, no, stop it. God uh, crafted them that way, and God crafted this person that way. And even if they're not skilled and dumb, like God still made them. You know what I mean? Like they're still uh-huh. serving a purpose for the glory of God, and that's exactly. what's important here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That's good. Yeah, that Exodus verse is powerful. He just he made him really good at just working as a blacks you know blacksmith and crafting. Yeah. You know, it's like that's awesome to think about. Um, so if you've been gifted with something like that, if you're listening and you you're just a natural at whatever you're natural at, you sh- you should thank God for that. Um, yeah, and 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 give Him praise and honor because you're that way. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you've exercised and responded uh, to what He's done, and you've honed in that gift. But the fact that it comes so naturally to you, that that's not of your own doing. God made right. you, you know, you still got to work at it and you're going to have to become better at that and grow in that understanding of that thing. But yeah, that natural giftedness, you should thank God for that 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do it to his glory. Yeah, do it, do yeah, it yeah his exactly. Glory. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for that. Yeah. And then do it for his glory. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, and then I guess one, one other thing as we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the reformed circle that we listen to, a lot of you know, Keegan, a lot of the dudes you and I listen to, um, probably a lot of people that listen to us are going to listen to some of the similar people. And if you don't, um, hopefully this just challenges you a little bit. But the I, this idea of dominion, we hear we hear it tossed around a lot in reformed circles, like exercise dominion. Dominion's good. Uh, patriarchy is good. It's good for a man mm-hmm. to have dominion, right? That's the way God made us. Uh, you know, uh, the cultural mandate. You'll hear that as a theological term. God gave yep. us this this culture building mandate at the beginning in Genesis mm-hmm. uh, for humanity go, to go and, and and succeed in this dominion taking of the world. Um, yep. But 
we, we may sometimes not understand the work that goes into that, I guess, um, that yes, God will empower us by his spirit to do that and give us natural giftedness to build the kingdom in a lot of different ways. But yeah. we, we have to have, like Solomon, we have to have wisdom. We have to have yes. knowledge. We have to understand the way God made the world. We need to be wise and cunning. We need to be like that mm-hmm. to actually have mastery over the world. It does it, Mastery or just the word dominion by itself isn't enough. We need to also realize the things that come up with it, all the different giftings, spiritual giftings, gifts of the spirit, fruits of the spirit that God's given us. They mm-hmm. all work in tandem to make us one complete man. And each Christian man needs to have be well-rounded like that. And, and one, one of the attributes included in that dominion taking ability for man is his ability to have knowledge and be wise and discerning. And Adam, yeah. Adam was like this too in the garden. We see... Um, Again, if we're going back to biblical theology, we see Adam Adam in the garden. He is naming the creatures. He knows them mm-hmm. intimately. He names them according to what they do, and he yes. understands them. And he, he his goal was to cultivate them and to orient them to their greatest good. Now we know what happened. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to fulfill that completely. But we right. still have that, you know, me and Keegan and, and anybody that's listening, um, we still have that call on the whole human race, and we're still working towards that, to, towards those ends. So I don't know. Do you have any kind of uh, wrapping up thoughts, finishes up here? So this is a little bit off another almost topic of conversation underneath Dominion, but um, there's, I think it's Michael Foster says that our, a a lot of our generation, a lot of the men in our generation and younger are functional bastards Yeah, to where our fathers are, are the ones who are the leading, are leading this evangelical movement. Right. Yeah. This this soft Christianity who doesn't want to offend, doesn't want to stamp step on toes. They're yeah. egalitarian or worse, uh, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's everything under the sun. And so, you know, I didn't start hearing about the cultural mandate, the dominion mandate, taking mastery of things until like four years ago. Uh-huh. And I and Satan is is using that to whisper lies of you're inadequate you're not good enough you're too far behind just give up give up give up yeah because there's so many ways to exercise dominion particularly when you hadn't been at all you know or you weren't trained in that and and so it, it gets it can be very overwhelming it can be very discouraging and make you feel like you're not good enough right at least in my experience and i know in others and so if you're out there listening, saying this is all well and good, but can I have some practical application? Um, one thing I would say is start with your family. Yeah. If, if you're married, even if you don't have kids, do family worship with your wife. <laughs> Wash her in the water of the word, right? Lead her in that. Sing songs together. Become a master of your household mm. and do it Bombadil way, right? Where your wife should love to be with you. You shouldn't be domineering if she dreads family worship or she dreads your presence. She should want to be in your presence, just like all the kings wanted to be in Solomon's presence, right? Uh-huh. And and from there, if you have kids, then do family worship with your kids. Teach your kids. If you're single, then just hone in on one the word first. Like that, that was my first thing. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna learn the word. Yeah, I'm going to learn it better and better and better. And then from there, that gives you the largest in the heart going back to Solomon again to then start doing whatever you feel like you are are skilled at, um, whether that's gardening or, you know, permaculture or what, whatever it may be. Yeah. 
Wow. That was really good, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That's encouraging. I, just hearing you talk. Um, I want to, I want to connect another point there. When we think about family life as a man, mm-hmm. it, it is incumbent on us as men to know our why, like study your wife, like, like thinking about Solomon having knowledge and wisdom, you mm-hmm. need to discern, know what makes your wife tick, know mm-hmm. what makes her sad, know what deflates her. You need to study your wife, you know, like, like in your mind, be, be studying yeah. her and know how you can best make her flourish as a man. Um, yes. you, need to, you need to grow in knowledge of that person because each person is unique. And then same thing with your kids. You're going to have to study each kid. Some, you know, I mean, you have a bunch of kids, Keegan. I'm just, my wife, you know, <laughs> she's about to give birth. So I'll have, yeah. my, I'll have my first year soon, which is awesome. But I'm sure you can already attest to this, that each kid's obviously very different. And some of them, like one of your kids is going to suck at something that another kid is great at. Yep. And you need to study them. And as a father, know each thing you're dealing with and orient it to its greatest good. Mm-hmm. Um each one of your children, you know, so we need to be wise and discerning and have knowledge even about humans, not alone, just trees and animals and, and, and the material world. But part of right. that is people. We need to know people very well to exercise good dominion. Yeah. That yeah. Right? 100%. And and if you're out there listening and saying, no, I've, I am excellent at this craft, but your home is in shambles and your yeah. wife hates you and your kids hate you, then go quit the craft. Give yeah. it up for a while and get back to your home. Get yeah. on your knees and repent and do better. <laughs> like that's, that's where it all that's where it needs to start. But also, there you know there may just be people out there that are just super discouraged because like there are times where it just gets so hard and it feels so overwhelming. Where man, I I'm 29 and it wasn't until I was like 25 that I'd even heard of the phrase family worship. Uh-huh. Right, like I was I was behind. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so to try to to try to catch up to that can feel really really daunting. And so to those people, just just don't give up. Take it one step at a time, and and just chip away at it. And it's just like sanctification. The person that repents at ninety nine is just as saved as the person that repented at three, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And but the person that repented at three is going to have a much more godly, rich, righteous life than the person that ninety nine is. Right. And and. So the same thing for this, this concept as well. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, um, yeah, I hope that was a fruitful and helpful discussion for you guys. If you have any comments, um, you can comment on this YouTube video. So that's cool. Yeah. I can, you can, uh, yeah, leave a like and subscribe, get the, get the notification bell, you know, all the stuff. Everybody's <laughs> is um, it still, is, is your YouTube channel still for the King? Were you able to get yeah. the name? I did. I did. It was, it was open. So, uh, yeah, for the King, but, um, yeah, thanks for listening guys. And if you're listening through podcast, appreciate all you sticking with me. And, uh, you know, if you guys are on the podcast, you can reach me at for the King podcast at gmail.com. If you have anything you want to interact with on this episode, um, thank you, Keegan. Thank you brother for your insight and, uh, appreciate the conversation. And yeah, I think, uh, I think we nailed that, uh, you know, nailed that. And, uh, hopefully you guys could take something away from that. So, um, I always end with the doxology in 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Glory.